welcome back. Pull up a chair and join us at the table this week for another episode of Paper, Pencil, Dice, a tabletop role-playing podcast. Welcome back to Paper, Pencil, Dice. So, last time, our heroes uh, had a, a bit of a stormy encounter. Uh, they found a beast of some sort um, it, uh, that approached their camp, but they were successfully able to fend it off. But we will uh, see where they get to next on their adventures towards Clear Meadow. All right, so first, before we get started, uh, we have a question uh, from one of our listeners. This one comes from Rebecca. She says, Hi, love your podcast. Tegan is my favorite character. So, I've been playing Dungeons & Dragons for a few years now, but I'm going to go try and be a game master for the first time myself. Any advice or common pitfalls to look out for? Thanks again. All right, so... uh. I guess as the dungeon master for paper pencil dice, I'll I'll go ahead and start. Um, the uh, honestly, one of the biggest things for dungeon masters is your ability to improvise. Try to plan out a lot of things, but also don't plan out so much so that you leave your players uh, with nothing to you know nowhere to go other than the story that you've written. Try to kind of plan out I, the way i do it personally is i kind of write out bullet points uh these are kind of the the more or less plot points i want to hit but sometimes i'll end up having to throw more plot points in there throw some away that the party completely you know bypasses or you know whatever else but yeah that's kind of how how i recommend doing it i jess you've done uh, some dungeon mastering before do you have any advice for for rebecca yeah, the the what I usually try and do is I am really bad at planning things, so I do improvise a lot of stuff, which is probably really bad. I, I'm sure that it's it's nipped me in the the butt a few times that uh, I was I had very little planned or th- what people wanted to do. Uh, were completely off the script from what I, uh, what I had envisioned for them, and so I can, um, a lot of times make things up on the fly pretty fast. Uh, but also make sure that you write down your NPCs that you use, like have a list of names or ideas that you're thinking about using. Uh, so then you you're not just stumbling around for NPC names. But write them down so then later on you can refer back to them. Chris, uh, player of Jathal, uh, I know you've you've been a dungeon master a number of times as well. Do you have any recommendations? I've I've actually not been. A oh, dungeon. you've not. Oh, I thought yeah. you had. I mean, what, what, I I have not. Um, but I I, I mean, uh, one thing that I guess I like about uh, um that I've liked with some of the dungeon masters that I have had. Um, is that I know, you know some dungeon masters have this thing where they are always out to get the players, right? Uh, mm-hmm. That's the way that they like to play. That's the way that they like to dungeon master. And as long as you have a group that's okay with that, then great. You know, then you shouldn't have an issue with that, right? Um, but making sure that you and your players are on the same page as far as how your game is, how you want your game to go, um, as far as how difficult or how 
not difficult or if it's more story driven or more combat driven type of thing you know i think that's a big uh a big thing to make sure that you and your players are kind of on that same page I agree with that, the uh, making sure that the story versus combat driven. Uh, usually I like doing mine more um, story driven versus combat driven. Uh, one of the things, yeah, to, to also tag on to the two of you as well, that remember that the kind of the point of role playing games, or at least for especially the story driven ones, is it's to tell a story collectively. You're not as the dungeon master telling the story. The whole group is telling the story. Uh, and it's also not supposed to be the dungeon master versus the players, but you're working together to essentially tell a story. But uh, Brandon, did you have any other... Or did you? Um, I, I, have you dungeon mastered before? I have a little bit, but it, more from a player perspective. So, okay. And just experience with past groups. Um, it really helps to have a conversation before even the game starts of what the players want out of that game, not just story versus combat, but how they want that game to make them feel. Do they want that game to be really stressful and tough? And, you know, they're always, you know, backs up against the wall sort of thing. Or do they want a really a story that makes them feel like heroes? You know, they're super you know, superheroes within the world, you know, sometimes that's what people are looking for. And in the same vein, you know, you can have a group that wants something super crunchy, where they want all of those tiny little details taken care of, you know, you have to keep track of every little bit of inventory you have, you know, you have 10 matchsticks, and every time you use one, and you got to keep track, you know, you're going to run out. But other times, there are groups that just don't want to worry about the minutiae. And there's a reasonable expectation that they're going to have picked up enough supplies. And, you know, that sort of thing can really impact a party when there's a divergence between what the GM has envisioned and what the players have envisioned. So just having that understanding going into the game and making sure even the players themselves know what the other players want from it, you know, having that open forum so that everyone's on the same level and can get an enjoyable experience out of it. And it's not separating people out or creating a rift between the dungeon master and the rest of the players, you know, and especially uh, as Chris mentioned, just having that mentality that you are there to present the story. It's not uh, an antagonist in the, the dungeon master and the protagonists in the players. The, the dungeon master is there to tell the story and the parts of the story they may be controlling, but it's not necessarily to be out to get there. But that that's all I had on. Thank you very much, Brandon. And then, uh, Brian, did you have any thoughts you wanted to add in? Well, I think some of that is, is definitely true. I mean, we've, uh, in our own games, it's one of those things where for us, um, and for the group in general, is to kind of agree on okay, maybe there's some home brewed, homegrown brewed like rules and whatnot where we don't want to sit there and track every arrow that's been fired. So in our games, we just we don't even care about um, the rangers and whatnot and how many arrows they have in their quiver because it's just not a detail that we're interested in and we feel that it gets slows the game down. Some people may value that a lot and have this like survival me mechanic within their group. But it's just um, 
at least for us, it's not something that we're super keen on. Um, so don't be afraid to, if there's something you, you, you're not that interested in, even though it's in the rule book, figure out a way to work with it in the game. Um, one of the big things I think as a game master though, is try to think out ahead, especially with story driven, um, campaigns of how you would redirect the group back on their correct path. Oftentimes, groups will try to wander off, and it gets even more hairy when they split apart. And how you can keep them together, and not just keep them together, but how you can direct them of, okay, you guys just you know went the wrong direction, but you really should be going over here towards this tower. And how think ahead of time if how you would handle those situations and how you can. And not necessarily go, no, you guys need to go the other direction, but how you tell that in the story to say, okay, maybe down this path you see some guards, so maybe you guys don't, you know, maybe they would... Less railroading. Yeah. It's it's sort of, but it's nudging them in the correct direction. Yeah, what one of the things to avoid there that, you know, on that, the railroad thing, at least in, in my personal opinion, is don't... Like like Brian said, don't tell them you can't go that way. Let let the party make bad decisions and and make them go whatever way it might be the wrong way. Um, there can be repercussions for them, and that doesn't have to be like, oh, well, that way, the wrong way you went, there's a dragon there and he's gonna eat you. It could be that there was you know something that was you were you were rescuing someone at the in the way you were supposed to be going. And when you don't go that way, something happens to that person that you rescued, and and the story can change from that point. Um, so it doesn't have to be that you went the wrong way. The story has to progress the way I wrote it. It, it you might actually have a whole new story depending on on the players making a right or or quote unquote wrong decision. I think it's just important to think how you will handle that if it comes up ahead of time, that rather than um, trying to make that decision. Right at the moment, the players decide to go left when they need to go right. Yeah. So don't be afraid to, if you're using a module, to uh, go outside of what's written. You you don't have to and read it before you uh, um, before you do your um, your gaming session. If you're running off modules, I personally don't really like modules all that much. I, I feel that they they by almost by design have to be a railroad game. Uh, but that when you do uh, have a module, oftentimes it's very beneficial to read as far ahead as you can, because often your players you will ask a question about something, and you could make something up, but there might have actually been an answer that the module gave you, you know, 20 pages down that, that you can provide hints towards so it doesn't seem jarring when the actual storyline comes up. Um, and uh, Chris, uh, other Chris, do, do hey, you have any uh, any recommendations for Rebecca? Yeah, hey, Rebecca, this is Chris. I'm play, I play Tegan. Um, I've only dungeon mastered for my daughters, and the biggest tip, I actually asked Tony before I did it, and the biggest tip he gave me is make sure you sit down and, and talk with your daughters first and find out where they're at and develop a system you know, that meets their needs, and he gave me some ideas. And what we wound up doing is they wanted to do less combat and more story, so we wound up making a system where they only got one skill 
but they got to pick what the skill was. And so all I did was make up a town with some some creatures, and they did everything else. And they made up this fabulous story with unicorns and rainbows. It was it was awesome. So maybe sitting down with your players beforehand and just getting to know them would be good. From a player's perspective, I only had one DM I didn't like, and that was because he started pitting each of the members against each other, um, where we were actually trying to kill each other. So I wouldn't recommend that. Sorry, I don't have a ton of experience, but so talk beforehand and don't have each of the players kill each other would be my only my only advice. Oh, that's that's good advice. So um, again, uh, uh, thanks Rebecca for the question. And uh, anyone else out there, if you have questions or would like to ask us something, yeah, feel free to send us an email. We'll either respond to it or answer it on the air like this. So um, anyway, we'll get back into it here. So uh, this t- this week we're gonna try introducing the the group a little bit different. Let us know what you guys think. So uh, we're gonna open up uh, on a farmland. There's crops that are out. They're getting ready for harvest. It's getting a little bit later in the season. Uh, we will the we pan over to see a farmhand. Currently out in the fields, he is currently resting on the post of a nearby fence after having worked. And from over the hill, he hears the steady footfalls of horses and likely the sounds of a cart being pulled of some sort. He stands up, stretches his back, and strains to see over the horizon to see who comes. Over the horizon, we first see pass by a elf, an armored elf on horseback. Do you want to go ahead and describe what you look like there, Thier? Uh Yeah, I am a seer elf, and uh, I've got scale armor. Um, I have my falchion strung across my back with my longsword and uh, shield uh, strapped to the horse's pack so that uh, they're easily accessible. Um, he's just uh, kind of looking ahead, trying to keep an eye out for the group uh, of anything that might be of note in the uh, coming up to the group. All right. And not too far, maybe 10 to, to 30 you know, meters behind, we see a cart being pulled by two horses. Driving the cart is a halfling with a badger sitting by her side and a gnome sitting uh, next to her on the bench. Uh, Tabitha and Tegan, do you guys want to describe what you look like while you're doing that? Um, so I am sitting in the front of the wagon. Uh, I have brown, long, brown curly hair that's pulled up. Um, I'm wearing leather armor. I have a bow and arrow ne- next to me uh, for easy um, attacking, if need be. Um, I ha- I'm mostly the other... Um, Besides the leather, I'm in more um, woods colors, uh, lots of browns and greens. Um, And I have um, a slight complexion from being outside um, a lot. Um, And next to me is a European badger. He is adorable, and his name is Francis. All right, and Tegan? I am sitting next to Tabitha, 
kind of in a whiny voice today. Can I drive, please? I know I messed up last time, but I got it this time. You can trust me with the reins, honest. No, you can't have the reins. Last time you fell down and almost hurt yourself and confused the horses. So that's what I'm doing. Uh, And then further in the back, we see an elven wizard and a dwarven monk having a conversation in the back of the cart. Hi. I'm Chris. I play Jethal, the Elven Wizard. Uh, it's been a while since I've explained myself. Um, so I'm a, I'm, a, I would say a taller elf. Uh, I mean taller than obviously Tegan. Um, uh, but I have like a kind of dark blue eyes, but of my skin's more of a pale, pale blue hue kind of type of thing. Um, and I have kind of like really long. Um, probably like shoulder length, uh, pale bl- or kind of sky blue hair. Um, your skin is blue. Yeah, a little bit. It's got a blue tint. Okay. Um, and then uh, I like to keep myself, you know, fresh and and nice looking. Um, so I have some some nice robes on essentially. Um. I typically, right now, I would probably have my hood up, uh, because, you know, I don't want to, uh, there's not much of a cover on this wagon, so, I guess I, and, and I probably would be, you know, commenting about how they, uh, th- this wagon could use some work on it. Alright, and Tormir? Hi, I'm Brandon, I play Tormir, the dwarf monk. And he's sitting there in the back trying to meditate while wearing his orange, red, and yellow robes. He has a modest rope belt, and a sitting next to him is his rucksack contained with all the goodies in the world for making tea and just sleeping and eating and whatnot. Uh, and he's definitely very annoyed as he tries to meditate. As every 10 to 15 minutes, someone asks him, Hey, what are you doing? As he is sitting there with his eyes closed and his legs crossed. Tabitha won't let me drive, Tormir. So what are you doing? Is that tea? Can I have some tea? I think I'd like tea. Did somebody put sugar in in my tea? Because I feel a little funny today. I don't know why. How are you doing, Tormir? I'm still meditating. (laughs) You're meditating? What's meditating? How does it work? I don't have to meditate to cast my spells. What does meditating do for you? Remember upon the first day we met? Uh, no. Was that a test? Did I fail the <laughs> test? I, was, I didn't know it was a test. <laughs> you know, I thought if you were standing there while I was, you know, giving that instruction, you'd maybe hold on to it a little bit. It's been a long time. So, yeah. why, why, why do you like meditating again? To help bring peace within oneself, to connect with everything around you. And the tea tastes good, right? When you meditate with it? You don't drink tea and meditate at the same time. You just meditate. And then you drink tea. Oh, okay. Do you put alcohol in it? Does that help you meditate when you do the alcohol and the tea? Is that racist? Just because I'm a dwarf, (laughs) I like to drink all the time. Well, I've known a few dwarves, and they like to drink. Do you not like to drink? Have you ever seen me drink? 
No, but I saw you eat a lot of berries, so I just thought, you know, that maybe some of them were maybe fermented. I don't know. Maybe you wanted some some fermented berry juice. I I don't know. You you did you... eat a lot of berries. <laughs> <laughs> we found you in in berries. As the cart as this conversation's going on and everyone is a, is proceeding forward the cart and Athir on horseback the farmer or farmhand uh, leans forward and says, Well, hello, travelers. How's the road treating you? Barely there. Awesome. Do you do I look like a person who can drive well? Uh, I wouldn't know. Oh, OK. Where are y'all headed? We're heading to um, the brewery. In Clearwater? Oh. Clear. clear stream. Clear lake. I have it. I have it here. Clear Somewhere. meadow. Clear meadow. Clear. Yeah. It was so one close. of those. I was getting there. So close. Brewery. Um, you, you mean the uh, Dark Shade Brewery? Yes, Dark Shade. Yeah, we're going to go see the owner. His name's like Thomas Wayne. or Wayne. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Thomas? It's Batman. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Wayne is now Batman. I still remember when you called Hammond the dinosaur guy. Yeah, man. <laughs> None of your names are sacred. I hope you know that, Tony. We oh no, screw up every name that you give us. I've I've been a dungeon master for a long time. I've no name have I ever created that's been sacred. Uh, anyway, wow. uh, he goes. This is a well, special dark- moment. Is Darkshade Brewery. Well, just head on into town. To, it's, you know, it's it, you'll get there pretty quick. Uh, take this road till it ends. Turn right, and you can't miss it. How big's the town? Yeah, I don't know. There's a bunch of people there. There's a. How far away from the town are we? I don't know. Five miles. Okay. I go into town, you know, every once in a while, but mostly I just keep myself busy out here. Was there uh, any news in the town that we should know about before we get there? Uh, well, uh, I hear uh, good old Wayne is trying to make a new, uh, a new ale of some sort. I'm excited to try it. Sounds wonderful. What, 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 uh... Do you have any info, more information on it? I think he said he's going to try something with apples. I don't really know, though. Oh, apples, eh? All right, all right. I mean, he bought a couple bushels from us recently, so, uh, yeah. He said he was going to try something new. I'm excited. So, do you sell apples? Uh, we do. Uh, um, I don't have any with me right now. I just got my tools. But, uh... Yeah, uh, we we sell apples up at the uh, up at the store. Where where's your store? Oh, it's it just like points and points just over the hill. He goes, oh, you can just go over this hill and there's a little dirt path to the right. And uh, yeah, hit up uh, Gerald the farmer. We might might have to stop by. All right, let's get going. I'm excited to try this new beer. He goes, well, it's pleasant meeting you. Pleasure's all ours. 
He gets, he goes, he kind of gets up, dusts himself off, and goes back, uh, back to the field, back into the field. We uh, drive on. And pretty much just as the uh, the farmhand said, uh, they're just over the hill. There's a dirt road to the, the to the right, and it ends in some sort of a building. How big of a building? Is it just kind of like a fruit stand on the side of the road? Um, I mean, there's there is a like a, a stand. Um, it that it doesn't appear to be stocked or have anyone at it, but there does appear to be a stand there. Uh, but then there's a building uh, up the ways behind it, and it does look like there's a, a couple people moving in and out, br- bringing stuff either into or out of the building. Okay. Do we want to get some uh, some fresh fruit? Some fresh apples? Oh, that'd be wonderful. I mean, we have to hide it from Tormir, but... <laughs> or at least watch it. <laughs> we'll have to split it and put it in our bags first. <clears throat> Yeah, the uh, the fourth uh, song on the Tormir and the Berries album is uh, Apple Bandit. <laughs> Apple Bandit. <laughs> Apple Bandit. Apples. Is that like Apple Turnover? Mm. Apple Turnover. Apple Turnover so, does sound good. Uh, Apple That's... Turnover sounds really good. Now I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, all right, let's buy some apples, but I'm going to go try that beer here soon. Yeah, yeah, we'll get to town. We need to go talk to Wayne. So we'll get some apples. Uh, Wayne. I'll, I need to go Why? talk to talk to the <laughs> guy. What was his name? I missed his name. Uh, Gerald. Gerald. I would like to walk up and start asking around for Gerald. Is there okay. a Jerry around here? Anyone know a Jerry? It's Gerald. I'm sure he doesn't go by Jerry. Oh my bad. So you. Uh, pull up to there is this there's a building and there's a, a little area off to the side of the dirt road once you approach the building. The building looks more or less like a barn, uh, mm-hmm. but it looks like it's kind of more or less been cleared out for kind of to set up sort of a bit of a kind of a marketplace type thing inside the inside the barn. Um, so yeah, you you approach up and there's a couple people just either hauling things in or hauling things out. Uh, do you approach one of them and ask about Gerald? Yeah. Okay. You, uh, find a older, uh, probably not older, but middle-aged woman. Uh, she's wearing, uh, just a, a tunic and over the tunic kind of has overalls over top of it. She is currently has a large, uh, basket probably a basket about half her size that appears to just be full of just random crop stuff. Probably it, I will say this is a thing of carrots that she's uh, hauling in. Okay. Well, and, hello, miss. Yeah. This looks like some, some mighty fine crops there. Uh, I was hoping to try and find Gerald. Uh, I don't know if you know of where he might be. She sets the uh, the basket down and holds out her hand. And goes, "Nice to meet you. I'm Gerald." Oh, hello. And I kind of uh, don't know how to take the hand. I kind of am kind of awkwardly handshaking him. She has a very very strong grip. Okay, so um, she, she wiggles my arm all around. <laughs> pretty much. 
And she goes, Excellent. and she looks at you, and you kind of seem to have a bit of confusion. She goes, ah, name's Geraldine. Everyone here calls me Gerald. Oh, oh, excellent. Uh, thank you for explaining. I appreciate that. Uh, oh, uh, what can I do you for? Uh, we were uh, told by, I don't remember his name, uh, one of your associates here uh, uh, that you might have some uh, some apples for sale, potentially. Uh, yeah, we, we picked a, a few bushels uh, in the last week or so. Are you interested in buying some? Yeah, yes, I think we would be. How much? How many do you want? Uh, how many are in a bushel? How many are in a bushel? And she like points towards a fairly sizable basket. It's a basket at least two to three tegans in size. Oh man, that's that seems like a lot. Uh, huge. Maybe huge. Not huge, but it seems like more than what we need. Uh, considering they'll go bad in a short amount of time. Um, I would say maybe half a bushel. What's the what's the what's your rate? Well, half a bushel. I could probably do that for two gold. Done. All right. I pull out two gold. She goes in and grabs a, an empty basket, dumps half of the one of the other baskets into it and hands you a full a full size basket that's half full excellent they I are hand... very fresh apples they're they're smaller than like the kind of apples we we're, we're familiar with these are probably maybe like 2 thirds of the size of the average person's fist sure uh, but they're they're bright red shiny they smell good excellent I appreciate it. Thank you. You're quite welcome. By the way, uh, you you don't look like you're from around here. Where where are you heading? Oh, we're uh we're heading into Clear Meadow. Um, we need to talk to Wayne uh, at the uh, the Dark Darkshade Brewery. Ah, Wayne. Well, tell him I said hi. All right, I can do that. Um, and, and let them know that, uh, we'll be delivering the next, uh, next shipment of bushels here, uh, about in another week. We're a couple days late, but, uh, it's coming. I will, uh, pass that along. Um, appreciate it. Thank you. They have any, uh, horse, uh, like troughs out for, like, like, wa- like water troughs? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. She's, she's got, there, there's kind of like a little area to the side of the, barn that kind of looks like it's meant for people to park their carts when they're coming to visit and there's there's like a, a like a hitching post and a water trough and stuff like that over there water the horses yep. while while this uh exchange is going on the horses take full advantage of it i check to make sure that everything's that they're still doing all right all right Anything else you guys do here at the farm? Make sure we have provisions for the for the trips that we're gonna take coming up. So that's about it for me. Okay, sounds good. So uh, let's get to this uh, this tavern. I want to try this uh, ale of Wayne's. 
Alright, the horses look like they're ready to go. Sweet. We got our apples. We're keeping away from Tormir. I have the apples behind me and Tormir <laughs> on the other side of me. <laughs> and I'm as if you could stop him. <laughs> Can we get a uh like an apple for each horse? Sure. I feed, I feed all three ha- three horses an apple. And once you get everything taken care of with the horses, get back into the cart you guys head on uh, towards town. You only have a few miles to go. And on the right end, you see a few more fields, some with other crops nearly ready for harvest. You see uh, some that are sort of uh, grassy fields towards the end of the season, starting to turn a little bit brown. And you see a few sheep out grazing in the fields. Uh, eventually, as you continue proceeding in, you get into town. Uh, the town is a fairly sleepy town. There's pe- commoners out walking the streets, uh, you know, greeting. Everyone seems incredibly friendly to you, despite being outsiders. Uh, you get a number of people waving or tipping their hat or, you know, whatnot. And following the directions from that farmhand from earlier, the brewery is fairly easy to find. It is easily the largest building in the entire city. It's uh, over two stories tall and larger than either of the neighboring buildings. It has a wooden fence surrounding the property. The wood seems to be old and aged. There are a vast variety of different plants that are growing all around the building. The building itself appears to have likely been here a while. It's got a darker color of wood, uh, likely walnut or something similar on the outside. It's showing its age, but definitely seems to be well-maintained. And on approaching the fenced-in area, you see a wood-burned sign that reads Darkshade Brewery, and it's swaying slightly in the wind. As you proceed through the fence gate, there's a small area set aside to park a cart, and there's areas to tie up horses and a trough to water horses and things like that just uh, just inside the overall estate inside the fenced-in area. I'd lead the horses over to the parking area and get them okay. hooked up. Does everyone disembark, or does anyone stay back? I disembark after I make sure the horses are uh, have access to the water. Yeah, I'll make sure to uh, stay with Tabitha and make sure that the horses are tended to. I'm going to try to rush ready. off without the group and try to find the, the tavern, because I'm so excited. It's not a tavern, it's a brewery. Okay, brewery. Because I'm so excited to start this, try this new ale. This brewery tour. Exactly. As you approach the building, you can smell a mixture of things. There is the distinct smell of brewing hops, a slight hint of warm brandy, and also the smell of baked bread as you approach the building. Smells wonderful. We gotta get inside quick. And as the group walks into the building, uh, you all see a young man, probably about five and a half feet tall, with short but messy black hair. He is wearing brown pants with a leather belt and a form-fitted shirt. 
Uh, over the shirt and pants, however, he has a black leather smock, and he has large insulated mittens on his hands. Upon hearing the party enter the building, he takes the insulated mittens off, sets them on a nearby counter, unties the smock, and gently sets it next to the mittens as well. Walks up to the counter behind, um, that separates the party from him and says, So, you look like you're not from around here. Welcome to Clear Meadow. What brings you in here to the Darkshade Brewery? Like run up onto the stool and then run up to the, and put myself on the bar and grab his hand and shake it real fast and say, "Hey Wayne, your brother sent us. Uh, I want to try some of your ale." Well, uh, that's a lot all at once. Uh, so my brother, are, uh, glad uh, he got a hold of you. That was that was pretty quick. I sent him the letter only a little over a week ago. I'm glad you guys came. What uh, what kind of ale are you looking for? A new one. The one the, you're working on. The apple ale? Yeah. Oh, uh, that's not ready yet. It's still it's it's still going. Oh. Uh, what's yep. your most popular? I'll try that. Well, our most popular by far is the dark shade ale. It's actually where the name of this place comes from. Cool, I wanna try that. Sure. He goes and grabs a stein and as he turns, he stops and turns around and goes points at the rest of you guys and goes, can I get anyone else one as well while I'm at it? Yes, I'll take one. Thank you. I'll take one. And then he points at Athir and Tormir. You guys good? Anything else I can get for you? Do you have any wine? Uh, I do have a little bit. I, I don't specialize in wine, but I, I've dabbled at it occasionally. Uh, I, I would like a glass of wine myself. Um, I, I will I will try some of the brew that you do as a, uh, a little s- sample, if you would, please. Okay. And you? Any points at Tormir? No, I'm fine, thank you. Suit yourself. And he wanders away, and he comes back with a tray, and on the tray are is a uh, glass of wine, three steins uh, that are kind of it's they're they're full to the point of slightly splashing over the edge occasionally and a small uh looks like a kid-sized glass uh, also looks like it has ale and as he brings it up he sets one of the steins each in front of jathal tabitha and tegan and sets the small kid-sized glass in front of athir along with the glass of wine and then he goes back again and gets a uh glass uh brings it up to tormir and it looks like it's a glass of water. And he puts it in front of Tormir. <laughs> I guess. I give it a careful sniff first. It is water. Alright, I'm happy. <laughs> cool, so I want to try it. What does it taste like? Uh, it's got a very earthy taste. It's, real, it's a super rich, uh, like a very dense it's kind of a darker ale but it's it's got sort of a nutty yet earthy flavor to it and it's it, it it's very flavorful i thought you were talking about water first <laughs> <laughs> it's very nutty water very nutty water no very nutty water that reminds me of some of the the beers and ales that were in the netherlands that's pretty cool nice nice description tony that's cool um so I'm like, yes, this is awesome. Can I have another, please? Certainly. 
Um, so anyway, what did my, as he goes back to get another one for Tegan, because Tegan, it sounds like, finished his off before everybody else. Uh, yeah. As he gets another one for Tegan, he, uh, as he's kind of going back and coming back, he goes, so what did uh, Arthur tell you about uh, what was going on here? Uh, I believe he just told us there was some problem uh, that you were having. Um, didn't really elaborate on it much. Um, and that you could uh, potentially use some help. Fair enough. And he, is, he brings the uh, another glass over and puts it in front of Tegan. And he goes, by the way, I should have warned you about this earlier. That uh, Darkshade Ale is a little strong, so don't don't uh, don't enjoy it too quickly. But I'm really glad you enjoy it. Very good. It is. I ignore his warnings and slam down the second one. Oh, Jesus. It's going to be a <laughs> short goes, night for him. And he, he explains that he's like, there's, well... I guess long story is there's some ruins about an hour to the east of here or of town. There's an old dwarven fortress from a long forgotten battle. At least I I think that's what it is. Uh, anyway, there's a certain kind of moss called darkshade that grows there. That moss is what put our brewery on the map. Uh, our signature ale that you guys are enjoying there uses that for the majority of its flavoring. But uh, I'm the only brewery that uses it. As far as I can tell, that fortress is the only place that the Darkshade Moss grows. I've tried growing it here. Uh, everything I try, it, it doesn't take. So I go there about once a month or so to, to gather some more and bring it back. And that's what, uh, that's what, that's what makes, makes the ale what it is. So, anywho... I was over there uh, about a couple, two, three weeks ago, and something was off. The moss was there like normal, but everywhere I went, I felt like I was being watched. And I heard what sounded like people moving around. There were these scraping noises that sounded like stone on stone. There were other scary noises that, I mean, it's, it's an old abandoned fortress, so scary noises are kind of the norm, but these were different. Finally, I saw these odd folk. They had a, a dead look in their eyes. Like, they weren't thinking, just walking. They had torn clothes, no shoes. Uh, something, Something's wrong with them. But I didn't feel safe, so I took what little moss I had gathered and I left. I'm, I'm, I'm a tough guy, but I didn't want any trouble, you know? Sure, sure. Um, so... Did did they did they see you? Did you see them? I, you saw them, obviously. I, did, did they? I definitely saw them. I I can't imagine they didn't see me. But I mean, the look in their eyes. I don't know if they saw me. Maybe maybe they were blind. I'm I'm not really sure. Did they? What was the look in their eyes? Like, did they like try and come at you? No, they just kind of wa- wandered around. They, I. Uh, Something's wrong with them. I, I, I don't really know. I, I can't really describe it. Sounds worthy inve- of investigation. And uh, yeah. from the back, fr- from the back room, you hear uh, just this this much deeper voice go. Yeah, he is a pretty tough guy. And uh, out from the back, a 
a much larger man than than Wayne here walks out. This guy is well over six feet tall. He is wearing a white apron and a tall white baker's hat. Um, he is a bit older. Uh, he's got a gray beard, but he has arms that you might imagine are about as big as tree trunks. Uh, he also has a very large scar on his face, which passes through his right eye socket. His right eye doesn't really appear to have hardly any coloration in it. Uh, it appears to be mostly solid white instead. Uh, despite the kind of frightening wound to his face, he has a really warm and welcoming look. And he greets you with a beaming smile. He's carrying a basket with a red and white cloth covering, and it smells like freshly baked bread. And it kind of has a slight hint of a smell of honey. And he looks and goes, Wayne, you didn't tell me we had guests. I apologize for his rudeness. And he sets the basket down next, next to you guys on the counter and goes, My name's Lucas. How are you fine folk doing? Hi, Lucas. We're doing well. I look at him, I sniff him a little bit, and I curl up around his leg. And I start snoring. Hey, that was weird. Oh, you got drunk? He, he appears Is he to be asleep? I'm sorry about our acquaintance there. I mean, I would be lying if I said that's the first time someone's done that to me. But uh, not a common occurrence around here. I feel like our uh, our uh, friend had a little bit too many uh, drinks. Uh, <laughs> Wait a bit. This guy has had random gnomes curl up around his legs before? <laughs> Apparently. What? <laughs> All right. That's another story for another time, I guess, but okay. Lucas looks over <laughs> at Wayne and says, so he's, uh, did, did you warn him about the ale? And Wayne he goes, didn't listen. I, I told him it's 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 a strong it's strong it's good but it's strong yes well most gnomes can usually hold their uh, their liquor but you know, people come in all shapes and sizes he is a special size that's for sure he gently picks you up sets you back down on the on the uh, bar stool and uh, says Wayne get him a glass of water I think he uh, he might need some Wayne goes sure. And Wayne walks away. Uh, so, 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 Lucas, what do you know about this place uh, that Wayne is talking about? Did he tell you anything else? Anything different? I mean, I I heard the same story he did, or he just told you. But okay. Uh, so I guess. So the thing is, I'm. I believe, and I didn't tell Wayne this, and and don't tell Wayne I told you, but I think that that place is crawling with the undead. Oh. They look like ghouls. Ha ha ha, you smell like honey. Do you have any honey? He goes, there's some... He he opens the basket and pulls one of the... uh, They're small biscuits, uh, uh, like bread biscuits. They're very fluffy. And he puts one in front of you, and it smells slightly like honey. He goes, you should try this. Eat it with water. Uh, so why do you say that they're undead? That you're well, crawling with undead? I mean, based on the description, I, so I used to be an adventurer a long time ago. Until I met Wayne over there. And, well, 
And he just kind of like stops and looks back at Wayne as Wayne comes back into the room and just kind of gives him this long, happy smile. <laughs> he goes, well, you, you understand, but Wayne is, Wayne's the most important person to me in the world. And he kind of like, as Wayne comes back, sets down a glass of water in front of the snoring Tegan. They, he looks over and goes, so I used to be an adventurer, and yeah, I, I understand some of these things. Okay. I, I probably could, could handle this on my own, so I, I don't mean to drag you into this. And Wayne looks up at Lucas and says, no, I don't want you putting yourself in harm's way ever again. I mean, we're right here. Plus, it's hell on the knees. <laughs> yes, in the back, too, and then I fall back asleep again. Uh, yeah, okay. So, but, I mean, if you're, if you're willing to help out, I mean, you're, you're, you all look like adventurers and much younger than I. I mean, I, I got some stuff in the back. Uh, you know, some of my old gear that I used to have a long time ago. If you'd be willing to take a look and maybe deal with some of the, you know, deal with whatever problems are out there, you know, I'd be willing to give you some of my, uh, my old stuff. It's, uh, it's just collecting dust for me. And if you can make use of it and make the world a safer place, I mean, it'd be better in your hands than, than just, you know, sitting back in, in my closet. Ooh, goody treasure. And I run for the back door. Not knowing where I'm going. Well, you don't really get there because there's not really a clear way from where, like, you're in, like, the customer section of there. So you'd have to, like, leap a counter that's made for a medium-sized creature to get back there. That's what bar stools are for. But I probably don't make it over the, over the, uh... Counter. Yeah, I'm, as much as you've had to drink, I think more likely what happened is you just ran, tried to jump over it, got up to the point where your face was right at the ledge of the counter height and just kind of clocked into that and then kind of gave yourself a self-administered nap again. Cool, that's awesome. Thank you. So. <laughs> yes, well, um... Uh, yeah. I think that uh, we could potentially work something out here. Um, I, I guess we would... Yeah. Oh, uh, we were also supposed to mention um, uh, Gerald, or I guess Geraldine, uh, had mentioned that uh, that uh, the next shipment should be should be arriving soon. Okay, good. Yeah, that's the uh, so that's for the apple ale we're working on. Uh, it's probably a couple weeks away from being ready. Uh, so if you're here around then, I'd be happy to give you guys a couple tankards of it for the road. Uh, yeah, uh, that would be wonderful if we're still around while it's still, when it's done. I mean, or if you come back through another time. Either way. So, uh, while you're talking to Lu or uh, to uh, Wayne about this, Lucas kind of went off and came back with this large uh, bin, essentially. It's like a wicker woven bin, and there's just a bunch of stuff in there. And he kind of goes through it, and he pulls out an axe and a helmet and he goes if you don't mind i'd like to hang on to these just just for you know old time's sake uh but uh 
the rest of the stuff uh if you're interested in it sure and i kind of look through it a little bit okay in there you see there is a shield uh there is a small bag uh there is a set of armbands a cloak a single ring and a pair of boots uh so i say hey ethier uh you may want to look at the shield maybe this is of use to you sure let's take a look at it uh, uh is this a magical shield or is this just some uh nice shield that you have found around uh, it's, it's, so you pick it up and, and you know you kind of it's a steel shield and the moment you pick it up there's these slightly like bluish glyphs that glow on it just for a quick moment when you pick it up and uh what this is one... oh go ahead sorry i was, I was just gonna ask uh, how does one uh uh uh, identify a magic item and Pathfinder 2 second edition. Uh so the way that I the I mean there there are there, there it would be technically knowledge based upon what type of magic it is, but uh the way I the way I'm going to run this for identification of magic items is generally unless they are a cursed item, at which point then you would have to roll a knowledge on them. Uh when you pick an item up and and you know wield it, it reveals what it is to you if it's cursed it will reveal what it is to you but it's wrong if that makes sense sure so okay. you can check it for curses and that would be based on a knowledge check but otherwise you simply get what it is or an incorrect what it is if in cursed case okay cool uh so what this is this is a spell guard shield uh for those Following at home, this is in the core rulebook on page 588. Uh, what this is, this is a steel shield. It is a magic steel shield. And when you have the shield raised, uh, you gain the circumstance bonus, your shield circumstance bonus, as a bonus not only to AC, but also to saving throws against magic. Nice. Nice. I'll take that. All right. What else do you guys look at? Uh, what was the? I, I forget what else. So there was armbands. There was a cloak. There was a bag of something, mm -hmm. right? And a and ring and boots. A ring and boots. Uh, I look at the bag. Okay. This is a bag of holding. Bag of holding. Okay. Uh, type Ooh. two. Bag of holding for those at home. Yeah, is. On page 572 of the core book, and uh, what it so you the bag itself weighs a bulk one because mm -hmm. uh, Pathfinder Second Edition it, there's no actual weight everything's in bulk which is kind of yep. a representation of both its size and kind of you know how, how how much space it takes up as well as how much weight it weighs and it's kind of a combination concept. Uh, but you can store up to 50 bulk worth of things in the bag. Uh, the one restriction is the item needs to be able to fit through the opening of the bag in order to put it in the bag. Also, so you can't just stick a house in there, huh? Correct. Also, there is no oxygen in the bag, so 
Don't put any live creatures in there if you would like them to remain alive. That is FYI. absolutely true. Well, technically, so if you open the bag to the air, air does get into the bag, but it's, it's not... A it's a finite amount. Precisely. There's... Uh, mechanically, there is enough air to uh, to uh, breathe for ten minutes, and then you begin following suffocation rules. But I'm just saying, don't put don't put live creatures in there. How much bulk is a gnome? <laughs> I was wondering friend. if we could fit him in there. Probably. Ah, uh, I do not fit in the opening. My head is nose is too big. I mean, he's he's mostly dead right now, right? He's not completely alive. <laughs> Mostly dead. Jeez. Pick up the bag a little bit. I'll wake up real quick. Uh, so up next we have the armbands. Mm-hmm. Can I get the bag? Uh, I mean, that's or fine. did was the bag already? I was just looking at things, so oh, okay. I haven't made a decision one way or the other. Oh no, I can wait. Sorry. Well, I was just looking at things to try and identify what they were so that we could figure out Parse them out. who wants what. So the armbands are armbands of athleticism. Uh, these can be found in the Coral Rule Book on page 605. Uh, what they do is they are, so they are, they have imprinted, Im- so they're leather armbands. They have imprinted images of a muscled weightlifter. Uh, <laughs> and they grant you uh, enhanced stamina and skill. Uh, mechanically, they give you a plus two bonus on your athletics checks. Uh, plus two item bonus, specifically. And also, whenever you make the climb or swim action and you succeed, uh, you move five feet further when climbing or swimming than you would otherwise normally. And the ring? The ring is a ring of the ram. This item can be found on page uh, 615. So this is a heavy iron ring. It's shaped, it, it looks like it's the head of a ram. So it's, it's a iron ring around uh, two-thirds of, the, of it on the top it, of where it would sit on top of your finger. Uh, there's this head, uh, it's like a ram's head with curling back horns. Uh, once per minute, you can extend your hand forward and channel it. It's a single action, or it takes one action. Uh, you throw a blast of force at one foe that you can see within 60 feet. Uh, you may choose to spend a, anywhere between one and three of your actions to activate the item. You can only do so once a minute, by the way. Uh, what it does is it deals 2d6 force damage. Per action spent, so if you spend all three actions, it's 66. And it also pushes the target back five feet per action spent. Uh, The target gets a fortitude save, uh, DC 22. If they critically succeed, uh, they don't take any damage and they don't get pushed back. If they just succeed, they take half damage. And they are only pushed half the distance, rounded down to the nearest five feet. Uh, if they fail, they take full damage, and they are pushed the full distance. And if they critically fail, they take double damage, and they're pushed twice the distance. Is that in the book? Yeah, that's all in the book. And what was it called again? Uh, Ring of the Ram. 
Next up, the cloak. The cloak is a cloak of the bat. So this item, uh, it can be found on page 608. It grants you a plus two item bonus to stealth checks and acrobatics Mm. checks, but only acrobatics checks while maneuvering in flight. Uh, Does it give you flight? uh, Yes, and I will get there in just a second. Sorry. Oh, no worries. Uh, you can use you can use your feet to hang from any surface that can support your weight upside down, without requiring any check. Though it still takes athletics checks to climb up in order to move around while inverted, because it, it went upside down hanging by your feet. It counts as climbing um, when moving around. You can spend two actions, and once a day, you can transform the cloak into bat-like wings. That grant you a fly speed of 30 feet for 10 minutes. Or you can turn, you can have the cloak turn you into a bat. Uh, hmm. Which is representing the spell pest form on yourself. Hmm. Which also grants you a, a flight speed of 5. Or, uh, or a flight speed uh, as defined by pest form. But it, um, despite the fact there's multiple forms in pest form... Uh, you can only choose that of a bat. Okay. And I have a kind of house rules I use for flying in for the purposes of combat, and we can get to that if and when necessary, but we'll, we'll talk about that later uh, when it comes up. And the last item was a pair of boots, which are the Daredevil boots. Uh, these can be found on page 609. These are brightly colored, soft-soled boots. Uh, They give you the ability to perform risky stunts. They grant you a plus two item bonus to acrobatics checks and a plus one circumstance bonus to checks to tumble through an enemy's space using acrobatics as well. Uh, The boots can grip onto solid surfaces and help you avoid a fall, allowing you to Grab, uh, use the grab an edge reaction, even if your hands aren't free. Uh, You treat all falls as though they are 10 feet shorter. Or if you happen to have the cat fall fall feet, you can treat your proficiency rank in acrobatics as one degree better to to determine the benefits of that feat. Uh, If you have the cat fall feet and you're also legendary in acrobatics, you can choose the speed of your fall. from essentially you can choose to fall at a rate of 60 feet per round and slow it down to that speed only at any given you know no matter how high you're falling from those boots seem real good so that was all the items that he had in his bin and lucas you know is like they're all yours uh i mostly just you know you seem like good folk and I, you know, they're not doing me any good here, so. Can I have the bat one? I really would like it. I mean, sure. I don't care. Yeah, so Aether takes a shield. Um, just, uh, Tabitha wants the cloak of the bat. Uh, so we have the daredevil boots. Bat Tabitha. What? I said I am bat Tabitha. Yes. But Tabitha? Uh, (laughs) 
Uh, I don't know. What is everyone else thinking? There is a bag of holding. Um, the leather armbands. Who do we got? I mean, technically, someone's going to get two items here, right? So, um, Probably the bag of holdings for the group in general. Yeah, I mean, obviously it'll be used as in a group for sure. Uh, it's just a matter of who wants to hold on to it. But I'll probably ask to hold on to it with with a negative one strength. I can't carry, but like half my weight, it's really sad. So I'll ask to carry that if you guys don't mind, <laughs> so that I can actually carry my gear really well. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty sad. Uh, that's fine. I don't care. That's fine. Uh, if you want to take that, that's fine. Um. I guess I'll take the boots. Would the leather armbands be good for Tormir? No. Oh, they don't help your punches out any at all or nothing? No. No, they mostly help his athletics. So it's it, it depends on if Tormir's more of an athletics guy or an acrobatics guy. It's more for the not falling as far thing. Oh, that's fair. Yeah, we'll fasten your upper arms at our means. Give you a plus two item bonus to athletic checks. In addition, whenever you use an action to climb or swim, you succeed, you get a five foot bonus. Isn't my um, ability off of uh, athletics? Which ability? The bat cloak. Uh, bat cloak gives you acrobatics. Oh, okay. Uh, I've already well, it, gives you, it gives you stealth, and then right. it gives you acrobatics, but the acrobatics bonus is only while flying. Okay. I've got a pretty good acrobatics. I was thinking it involves something with athletics. Now this this can be these armbands can be worn in, in addition to the armor you're already wearing, correct? Correct. They take up your your wrist slot. Right. Yep. I mean, if nobody else wants the armbands, I'll take them because that's kind of one of my primary skills. But uh, it's, it's definitely you. not a use for me. Yeah. So yeah, also useful for me. They're leather, which I'm not sure if I can even wear that. They they don't count as armor, so you, it, no. they they would not okay. hinder or help in any way. What did the armbands do? I'm sorry, I forgot. They give you a bonus to athletics and let you climb and or swim faster. Okay, oh. that was the one that was athletics. I knew there was one that was athletics. Mm -hmm. You go for it. It's fine. So if, if that's the case, we have the Daredevil boots and we have the Ring of the Ram. Uh, I, I don't care either way, I guess. Um, got my staff of healing. Why don't you take the Ring of the Ram? Okay. What's the Daredevil boots do? Yeah, uh, they give you plus two on acrobatics, uh, plus one to tumble through a space. That's right. And then, yeah, I'm not going to uh, be tumbling through can, people's space. And and you can grip onto solid surfaces to help avoiding a fall. And I, you treat falls ten feet shorter. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you, you were going to take those, right? Yeah, Tormir, I yeah. think you, yeah, that makes sense to you to you to take them, and I'll and I'll do the bag of holding. <laughs> so everybody got something. <laughs> And if there's something we really don't want, we can we can stop in a town and these are valuable items and probably get something yeah more interesting. 
Um, after we've done talking about it, we I thank Lucas for his for the get uh, the um, passing along the items to us. You are very welcome, and Lucas gives you a big hug. And he's big. Hug. He's big for a human, so to a halfling, yeah, he kind of has to pick you up to give you a hug. Okay, I just like awkwardly pat him on the back, and it's like you're. You're, you're you're squeezing me. You, oh, you should sorry, sorry. Let... And he sets you down. He kind of acts oh, like man. a big teddy bear. I pat him on the knee and thank him and, and walk away. Walk in a straight line? <laughs> no, nowhere close. He can probably like bumps into the door frame and then walks out. <laughs> Hope we're taking off in the morning because y'all are taking me tonight. <laughs> oh, Wayne, as you guys are walking, I was... Hey, it, since it is afternoon, if you want, you're uh, you're welcome to spend the night. We got a couple guest rooms. Uh, you're welcome to crash here. Oh, that really? would be excellent. That'd be wonderful. So I'm already like down the hallway, and I picked a random room that's unlocked, and I've already gone in. So <laughs> okay, Tegan has just gone into a random room. Tegan um, finds like a a tasting room. And he just kind of curls up in the in the side area. This is this is a room that's kind of used for tours of the the brewery, and uh, he just kind of falls asleep in there. At which point, Wayne goes, "What? No!" And Lucas just kind of holds his hand up, and goes, "It's fine." And Lucas reaches under, grabs a small blanket, and goes in and just puts it gently over Tegan. He says, "Just let him sleep." Hope you don't have any other. Uh... Tourists today. Tourists don't come through that often, especially not not during the week. Oh, that's good. That's good. Glad we're not intruding too much. Oh, you are you are by far not intruding. You are you're helping us out. So you know, our you our entire facility here is is welcome to you as as much as you need. So and he he shows you to the other area and there's. These uh, guest rooms, they have bunk beds in them. There's two sets of bunk beds in each room, so you could sleep, in theory, four people in each room. Uh, and he, he gives you both rooms, and he says, I'll let you guys figure out your sleeping arrangements. Uh, otherwise, if you need anything, uh, there's blankets in the chest over there. Uh, we got, uh, if you need a nightcap, I can, we can help you out there. Uh, Wayne's got a lot of different stuff he brews up on a regular basis. That would be wonderful. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's I mean, it's not nighttime yet, but uh, yeah, it's sure. probably like maybe a couple hours from sunset. Yes, mm -hmm. you're welcome to uh, to do whatever you'd like. Uh, anyway, I will. Uh, I'm uh, really happy to have guests because I think I'm gonna make quiche tomorrow morning. Oh, what exactly wonderful. is quiche? Uh, it's like an egg pie. That's very odd. But that sounds delicious. It's really good. You gotta try it. Uh, okay. Sounds sounds good. Is, uh, just a question. Is there uh, any magic shops in town? Uh, I mean... We, we don't have... I mean, we, we got uh, kind of, I guess, a town wizard... Okay. 
I, I, I would maybe like to go talk to them. Yeah, he's he's not from around here, but uh, his name is uh, uh, Vidi. He's a gnome wizard, a little bit of an eclectic gentleman, but he's uh, if, if you're looking for magic of any sort, he's probably the closest you're gonna find around here. Honestly, this we're not we're not a big uh, big city here, so we don't really have that many magic users that strolled this way. Sure, sure. No, I understand. Uh, you said his name. Their their name was Vidi. Vidi, spelled V I D I. Okay. Uh, if I go we're... and check on the horses, make yeah, sure if we don't have anything else. Fed. I want to go talk to Vidi. Okay. Well, as Tabitha goes to check on the horses, and uh, Jathal heads off to go speak to the town wizard. Tormir, what are you planning on doing? I uh, head over to the the cart, grab a couple apples, and head back over to the uh, brewery with everyone else. And what, what grabs a couple? Bread. Well, two. Generally, <laughs> a couple. The last I knew. I don't know. For Tormir, it might be a bushel. <laughs> All right, Athir, what are you doing? Um, uh, I'm not, uh, don't have a whole lot going on, so I'm going to just take the time to rest and relax. Okay. Well, we will catch back up to everyone on what they're up to next time on Paper, Pencil, Dice. So again, everyone, thanks for checking us out. Uh, like, subscribe, let us know. Uh, I know we tried a little bit of a different introduction. Let us know what you thought on this episode. We will, uh, you know, hit us up by contact us either the Facebook, Discord. You can reach us on email at paperpencildicepodcast at gmail.com. Uh, if we don't uh, see you before, we'll see you next week. But in the meantime, keep gaming, friends. Thanks for listening to this episode of Paper Pencil Dice. Reach out to us at paperpencildicepodcast at gmail.com. Join us next time to find out what our heroes get into next on Paper, Pencil, Dice.